0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. Before I start, i got to give a huge thank you to all of the writers that contributed this week. I was completely useless. I was sucked into another project, which I'll talk about later. That'll be released tomorrow. Um, but I didn't have time to do any of the work that I normally would have loved to have done, and a bunch of people stepped up and took it for me. So thank you so much. I really can't wait for more writers to sign up. Um, And, you know, we kind of have one thing going on this Discord where we post stories that we think might be interesting and then uh, whenever we have time we kind of write them up. So if you think you might be interested, if you like the content that you've seen or have some good ideas. Um, You know, maybe contact me and see if you're interested. Uh, A lot of stories are posted, not all of them get written up because we all kind of just use our judgment and think, is this a good fit, is it not? But it's great to have the, the options and the ideas, and it's really cool to see these turning into real posts and stories. And I got to admit, I still, have not gotten over the fact of when I'm scrolling through my phone on Feedly and I see a really cool thing pop up and I get reading it and realize it's on retro RGB. So <laughs> I don't think that'll get old anytime soon. But uh, enough rambling. Let's jump in and see what's been going on this week. First up, Racket Boy just posted an article about the Mister project and interviewed a bunch of the team members to get a real inside look on the uh, on the whole project itself. And I really enjoy projects like this that are team efforts, that are really doing something amazing that no one's done in this way before, and I'm glad to see Racket Boy give it some attention. So hopefully the, you know, the Mr. Project will continue to move forward, uh, and it's, it's moving forward at kind of a staggering pace, to be honest with you. It's, it's really impressive how fast uh, things are progressing and how many people are jumping on board, which is great for everybody that wants to use it and contribute it. So uh, anybody interested, give the article a read. The DreamShell Loader project just added support for the Dreamcast IDE mod, which is a mod that replaces the GD-ROM drive with an IDE hard drive, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, you know, that's uh, any of these optical drive emulators is unfortunately going to be the way most of us play original hardware, not too far in the future, to be honest. So open source projects like this are pretty awesome. And any ways to, uh, to continue using the original hardware, even if you can't use the original disks, is still better than nothing, in my opinion. Um, the compatibility is now up to about 96%, they said, which is pretty awesome. And they're still working on furthering the compatibility. So if you're looking at an open source alternative to something like the GDMU, this is definitely something you should look into. Firebrand X has just updated his Neo Geo AES audio fix guide. Um, I believe that the parts he was listening to were uh, end of life, so now he just updated that. And I think he found a few ways to tweak the parts, too, to make it just a little bit better quality. You know, the constant pursuit for that extra 0.01%, uh, you know, obviously something I've been doing forever. <laughs> um, and I guess the overview is, if you have a version 3-3 or a version 3-4 Neo Geo AES... For some reason on those board revisions they kind of messed up the audio circuit so by doing the very cheap and not too hard fix that he put on his website you could bring that back to what it should be i had asked him about other models and you know can you improve the audio on others this way and while he said maybe just using better capacitors might improve it this guide is really for the 3-3 and 3-4s which have notoriously bad audio which is funny because I have a 3-6, and those are the ones that have the terrible video. So (laughs) uh, I'll be working on messing with fixes for that soon as well. But uh, if you have a 3-3 or 3-4 audio and don't mind a little bit of soldering um, for just using the DigiKey link where you order the parts, uh, order the bill of materials, the bomb right from there, uh, it seems like a worthy upgrade to get better audio. So definitely give it a shot. Crix has kept his promise about putting up the SD to Snes Pro for sale before the end of the month. the they are live now and I believe they're in stock and shipping. They ship from Ukraine so expect uh, if you're outside of Europe, I mean it's probably a two week shipping time so not terrible, not like some of those uh, where you order from AliExpress and get it four months later. but uh, I'm very excited to try it out. Um, they're 197 dollars uh, and Stone Age gamer also said that they will be getting them in. Uh, their first batch will be limited stock, and then they'll soon get their special editions together, um, which, you know, if anybody's purchased from them before, they do a great job. They could bundle SD cards if you'd like, but they also have cool labels, clear shells if you want them, a bunch of good options, so... Uh, you know, if you were waiting for those, they'll have those in somewhat soon. And I believe they've discounted their original SD to SNES's. So if you're really just looking for MSU1 support and, you know, the ability to play FX games and most of the rest, there's really no reason uh, to wait for this one. Um, I, of course, SNES is my favorite console. So I, even if there was a small spec bump, I would still purchase the new one anyway. But I'll leave that completely up to you. Uh, Very awesome that there's so many choices now for this and I cannot wait to get mine and give it a try. The game Thimbleweed Park is available to download for free on the Epic Game Store until March 7th. So if you've been thinking about trying that game, there's no excuse now. And I've heard nothing but good things about it. People say it's a really great, point-and-click adventure game with a nod to all of the games of the late 80s and 90s, but at the same time, it's something that could stand on its own now. And I think a good comparison is something like Axiom Verge. So uh, people that have never played that style of game before could play that now and like it, but people who did love those games um, appreciate the uh, the nod to them. So uh, you know I haven't had a chance to try this yet. I haven't had a chance to play any games really, Uh, but I do really want to try this one out. And uh, you know point and clicks maybe it is easier to do on a PC. So um, I'd certainly give this one a try. But uh, if you've been hesitating at all, just pick it up now. You can't argue with free, and it looks great. Someone has just started a GoFundMe for Virtual Boy collector's cases, Um, and this is kind of a weird one, because on the one hand, I think having a Virtual Boy case for my games would be cool. Uh, There's no way to display them now. I like to have the few games I I was able to keep up on a shelf, and the Sega Genesis games look awesome. Um, I know there's always been collector's cases for Super Nintendo and N64 games, And, you know, having both protection and a nice, small, compact way to display the Virtual Boy games would be great, too. Um, So I like this idea, and I would love to support it. But the pictures that they had posted were of, basically, Nintendo DS cases. uh, And the GoFundMe makes no sense. And for the record, I'm not talking about Ronnie's write-up. I'm talking about the GoFundMe itself. Um, This uh, basically is just asking for cash, but doesn't say that they're going to give you anything. So I don't know if this is just um, asking for donations, uh, you know, just to help the project, but you don't actually get anything, or if if you donate enough, you'll be able to get a case when they're ready. They didn't either. They didn't make it clear, or I didn't understand. Which you know what, it happens. Sometimes I just make mistakes. So if you know anybody involved, or if uh, you know if you've contributed to the GoFundMe at all, maybe you could clarify in the comments because uh, I really would have. Like to see it a clear and concise Kickstarter, and things like this. I mean, making something's never easy. Doing a Kickstarter is never easy, but something that's pretty basic, like you know, five bucks if you just want to support it, um, ten bucks if uh, you know you want one case, twenty for two K, whatever it is. Having very clear perks makes things like this easier. So you know, if you're if you know the people involved in this, definitely make the GoFundMe clearer because I would love to. help with something like this and i'd certainly love to pre-order it but i just would like to have a clear understanding of what's happening because i think any virtual boy fan would love a collector's case you know like i said both for display and protection but i just would like to know what i'm getting it looks like analog will once again be releasing an unreleased game with their upcoming console the game hardcore which was 99% finished back in 1994 but canceled due to the game manufacturer thinking that people were going to be focused on 32-bit games not 16-bit so they didn't go through with the release that will now be bundled with the analog uh the mega sg the genesis fpga console so that's pretty cool um you know i played i really liked how they did super turrican uh super turrican 2 with the super nt how it came with uh, a brand new cardboard box so basically even though you didn't get a physical game if you really wanted to display it it felt like you did Uh, i thought that was a really nice touch um and just kind of i don't know it felt like they did that right so hopefully they'll be doing something similar with the hardcore game even if it's only like um, an insert and you have to buy your own case or something like that but i thought that was pretty cool and one other note um, apparently, the game Hardcore for legal reasons was changed to Ultra Core. So, if you hear them referencing this at any point, it's the same 99% finished 1994 game called Hardcore. They just got to call it Ultra Core. I saw this next thing pop up on Twitter, and as soon as I saw it, I went, oh man, I got to write a story about this. And then I logged into the site and looked, and Smoke Monster was already on it. I should have figured he was already on top of this stuff. Uh, somebody has taken a Core Graphics made a 3d printed shell and essentially turned it into a turbo express so there is an lcd driver an rgb screen for it uh, and then the top case is made to be exactly like a controller would be and everything's wired in so this thing is pretty cool um you know I'm, i'm interested to see how they did the rgb i'm assuming they used um like a THS 7374, so that you could have dual outputs, one to the LCD driver and the other one to the console's AV output. Um, but either way, this thing's just neat, and projects like this always make me smile. They're not very practical. I mean, I couldn't imagine. It's not too big, so I'd probably have an alright time playing it, but. Um, I can't imagine this is going to be your go to, uh, like Turbo Express, but it just seems like a fun project, and I love to see consoleizations like this, especially when they're still 100% functional, because uh, this thing could just be used as a console too. So, very cool work, um, and if you're at all interested in neat stuff like this, definitely check out Smoke Monsters article. Some pretty cool updates to the 240p test suite. Artemio has updated the PC Engine and TurboGrafx-16 as well as Dreamcast test suites with a bunch of different things, Um, and the one thing just so happens to be the first thing on the list is that he added 256, 320, 352, and 512 resolutions to the checkerboard. Um, I have a video coming out tomorrow if you're watching this the day it's released. Uh, and ourt I wish you had, I wish I'd known you were working on this. I would have reached out to you. This would have made my life so much easier for the p c engine video for my captures and for calibration <laughs> it's funny how timing works, but uh you know I say this every time the two forty p test suite is my my absolute go to piece of software on every console it's available on um, and there's more and more reasons why this is becoming really important. Uh, And it's open source, so anybody that's out there that has the ability to port this to different platforms, um, even if you could just do things like... Checkerboard patterns in the supported resolution of the console, color bars, white screen, even just the very, very basics. It doesn't have to have all of the full features that Artemio included. The very basics alone will be a gigantic help to people doing certain uh, calibrations, testing, video capture. So thanks so much to Artemio for continuing the work on it. And if you have the, once again, if you have the ability to do these things, even if it's just a basic ROM to get people started, Just having those very quick pictures would be not very quick, but those very basic pictures. None of this work is quick. Uh, That would be a massive help to a lot of people. So uh, thanks again to Artemio and everybody that works on this. The world's first one terabyte micro SD card was just released. Uh, It'll be $500, transfers at around 160 megabytes a second, and is up for pre order now. So, um, you know, while this is exciting and if I were rich I would love to buy one of these just for the heck of it, um, that also means that this, all the other prices are going to trickle down as a result. So that's probably why we've seen things like 128-bit cards for $30 that are of decent speeds, um, and, you know, with optical drive emulation getting to the point that it's at and continuing to grow with, um, this is going to start to be more, more and more important as time goes by. So, while um, I will not be spending $500 on one of these, I'd be willing to bet in a couple of years I'd be spending 100 or two on it, uh, and probably thinking it's completely worth it. So, uh, very cool for people that need flash media. And speaking of flash media, the SD Card Association has also just announced the Micro SD Express standard, um, which would allow for transfer rates of almost a gigabyte, nine hundred eighty-five megabytes a second, versus the about max of one sixty. So up to six times faster. Um, and you know, I'm sure some people are listening to this going, "Who cares? My it's not going to make my Super Nintendo load faster." But from a retro gamers' point of view when you have things like optical drive emulation and you're transferring you know just gigs and gigs of content it is nice to be able to to dump that on an SD and not have to wait three hours for it to complete but this is also going to be a big deal for people that shoot in 4k um, because it just not only do you use up the memory cards really fast the faster you can record um, does limit certain uh, certain cameras so anytime you can make something faster i'm on board uh and i'm interested to test these i'm assuming that any kind of pc link to them is going to require a new reader device i'm pretty sure the backward uh it wouldn't be backward compatible speed with existing readers but they will be able to be read in existing readers so if you have a usb3 sd card reader you know it'll work it just won't go to 985 megabytes a second but Whatever, it's cool, and uh, I hope to see them in stores uh, soon enough to try them out. Hackers have just gotten an unreleased version of Android working on the Nintendo Switch. So that's kind of like a double whammy of, of funny. It's an unreleased, uh, officially unreleased version uh, of something being installed on something that's not supposed to have anything else installed on it. Um, at the moment, it's working. There's no direct video drivers for it yet, but everything else is working. So the, the performance is a little bit sluggish. And at the moment, I think it's really just a proof of concept. Um, but I'm really interested to see what could be done with this. Um, you know, as much as I love emulation, and I always think it's funny seeing emulators pop up everywhere, like that ad that showed Doom on every device. Um, you know, I'm wondering what else could be done with this um, that would be relevant to gamers, but. Every time something like this happens, I never, I don't guess anymore, because whatever people come up with is usually way better and something I would have never thought of, so I'll just leave it at. I can't wait to see what people use this for. There's a 16-bit style shooter called Star Scepter that's in danger of being delisted from the iOS app store because low sales have made it hard for the developer to pay the license fee to keep it on the app store. Um, you know, I completely forgot about all that stuff. I'm so used to having the ability to do something like, oh, I'll well, I'll put my thing on eBay and leave it until it sells and you don't get charged until it sells type of thing. Um it's hard for me to to keep in mind that you people have to pay to sell their stuff. And it's sad because, you know, there's especially in the retro gaming world, there are very often things that people make that a small group of people really, really love, and it's not, may not be a, a mainstream product, or maybe it is, people don't know about it yet, whatever. So, we're used to things being able to be made in small quantities and, and kept available. It stinks. So, if you like games like this, consider buying it. It's a, just a dollar with no in app purchases or ads or anything like that. Um, and you know, that begs the question should they put ads? on it and try to make money off of it? Would they sell enough that way? I don't know. I don't know anything about selling on the App Store, but I like games like this. You know, stuff like this that reminds me of arcade games that I enjoy playing when I have time to, but I'm on my phone and I'm on the subway and, you know, need to kill 10 minutes. This is perfect. Um, so, yeah, if you're, if you're into games like this and if you have iOS software and want to support a developer looking to keep it up there, definitely give it out. And It's sad to, to hear stuff like this. I wish Apple would find a different way to structure their store for this exact reason and it's also really upsetting and how many iOS games that uh, just don't have the the team behind them to update them with every version that you're forced to download um you know it's sad that that those games and those programs get lost um and I really hope that there's a way to archive those and maybe we could have an iOS emulator in the future but um you know, I don't think Apple thinks about or cares about this stuff, and it's kind of annoying. Uh, and, you know, I, I, still, I still have an iPhone. I still like my iPhone. I still, you know, I'm not a fanboy. Everything else I have is PC, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand the whole side effect of being a closed platform like this. Um, and it also, on a personal note, makes me laugh every time they post their whole, you know, this percentage of iPhone users are on the latest software and this percentage of Android users are still on the old. You yeah, know, well, that's because you shove the updates down everybody's faces. <laughs> you can't, you can't shove something into somebody's mouth and go, look, they're eating my thing. Like it's so whatever sorry personal rant over if you like the shooter style game like this and um, you want to drop a buck on it uh, definitely check out the link and the story behind it because i believe the developer wrote this whole game on the tablet on a tablet while on the subway uh commuting looking for something to do so kind of a neat story as well definitely check it out ace has now officially made the fpga core for the arcade game arkanoid available to download for the mister project um, and it's pretty cool. I always liked this game. Uh, Smoke Monster did an interview with him, which is up on the site for anybody interested. Um, I'm a fan of Aces' work, so I definitely had to read through it myself. But, you know, the game the game itself is interesting because it's one of those games where there's ports on so many different platforms, but playing it on the original arcade version with something like a spinner controller is a really hard experience to recreate. The NES version with the NES spinner is very cool. I like that one. It, but obviously it doesn't have the, the graphics that the arcade version does. And, you know, there is a pretty neat uh, iOS port. like an, I, I think I have uh, the iPad version of it. But I think, you know, maybe I'm wrong. This is just my opinion. But the, the iOS touchscreen versions of things are great for nostalgia. But I don't get I don't get more than a few minutes into them before I get bored and move on. Whereas these original arcade games, especially the ones with the unique controls that you don't really see anymore, um, it feels like I'm only playing them for a few minutes, but I end up getting sucked in for a little while. So the fact that now more people could uh, appreciate this game on something that's closer to original hardware is pretty exciting. Um, I, the other week, talked about that custom spinner controller that would be Mr. Compatible. Um, I would love to try that out with this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll look into hacking one. Or if somebody around New York has one that'd let me borrow, I'd love to just try it. But uh, once again, it's very exciting to see everything going on with the Mr. Platform. And thanks so much to Ace for taking the time to do this, as well as everybody else um, that helped out and helped to make this thing, make it really happen. Over the past few weeks, a few people have re reviewed the SIO or PSIO or whatever, um, the optical drive emulator that plugs into the serial port in the back of the PlayStation and allows you to play games over SD after doing an internal mod to it. So it, uh, you know, I think when this first came out, I was just so happy that somebody was working on an optical drive emulator and so happy to finally get it after waiting that I saw past its flaws just to be able to play off of SD. And I did see some compatibility issues, but I was never really worried about that because projects like this have to grow. Nothing like this could ever just come out and be perfect uh, so now that it's been out for a few years now that they've gotten over most of their hugely long delays, I think mine was fifteen months from purchase to to order uh, or to delivery um, it, looking at it under a different light, I think my life in gamings video um while it was a great video and and they looked at it positively. Their video, my impression of that, really just reminded me of how easy it is to get a stack of good quality CDRs, a PlayStation mod chip, and just do it that way. Um, and you know, those you can get PlayStation mod chips now. Just Google it; they're twenty bucks, and they're about equal to install, depending on your model of PlayStation. They're about equal in skill level to install as the internal PSIO. Because um, that you know that's one thing that I, everybody does remember, but I want to make sure to keep reminding people this is not a plug-and-play device, um, and you know it's not even like the GDMU where uh, technically you have to mod it, but that's just about as plug-and-play as plug-and-play comes. Unbolt a couple things and stick it in, whereas this is a, a real mod, just like a, a mod chip would be. So um, you know the, the points that they made and the points that Voltar made in his video are. I tried to summarize in my write-up, but I'm not trying to take away from their videos. Definitely watch them both if you're interested. But, um, you know, you do need to patch a lot of games. And I realize it's that way with a lot of optical drive emulators, and maybe I've just gotten lucky, but the GDMU and the ssds 3 just downloaded a game and put it on there, and it worked. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. I believe it's the Redbook audio games that you need to um, to run through their software and have it specifically for the SIO. I already talked about the installation. And price, um, you know, I'm not a price complainer. If something does what I want it to do, I'm not going to complain if it's a little bit expensive, knowing how much it takes to make and support these things. But it is worth pointing out that for over $100 to have a device that you still have to patch ROMs and it still has some other issues, you do have to at least recognize the fact that you could get a stack of 100 Taiyo Yuden CD-ROMs uh, a good CD burner and a mod chip, um, and still be under the same price, under the price of the SIO. Uh, especially if you compare to how many games you would have to, or how big of an SD card you'd have to buy to fit 100 games, so or how many SD cards you'd have to buy. So, while it's the price itself is not something that I would complain about, it's something I would definitely have to bring up if I were doing a review, or I guess this is a mini-review of it, just to put things into perspective. Because some people... You know, in no disrespect, but if the PlayStation's not your favorite console, why wouldn't you just spend 20 bucks on a mod chip, you know, and play your backups? Uh, and just for all the, you know, the, the backup haters, um, I own Symphony of the Night, but I will only play the, uh, the D-Dither mod for it now. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. I'm not even going to go into the whole piracy thing of it, because a lot of my uses are legit. But here's the thing that really got me, and this is something that I've talked about before, and I tried to be polite, and uh, I tried to be firm but polite, and that's gone, no more polite now, because now I've experienced this myself. So while I've heard a lot of stories, and some of them from friends that I I talk to all the time, uh, you know, in person, so, uh, you know, people that I know and I remember these stories from them, I'm not even going to tell those, even though there are some bad stories, I'm only going to tell mine. Uh, I bought one of these a while back, I liked it. I knew I knew there was going to be some support uh some firmware issues that would need updating in the future. When I got the opportunity to purchase a second one, I just said yes because I figured why not? One of my friends would want it, even if I still have this one. I'm not an eBay scalper, so you know, and my my friends all know that, so if I have an extra of something, I'm glad to help. Um, then I, that whole thing happened where I lost my job and I asked them for if I could just cancel my order, and they said no. And then it didn't show up for almost like a year later after that. So I don't understand that part of the logistics. You can't just cancel my order and bump somebody else up in line. That really sucked because at the moment, you know, if I lost 100 bucks, I would be upset. But at that time, that was an important thing to me. So this whole thing I already kind of approached with a bad taste in my mouth. But then the whole thing about if you want support, you need to register the device with them. And then you're only able to get the downloads after you've registered the device. So I do understand the reasons for this, and I do understand their concern, because one of those uh, dirtbag cloners uh, has already tried to clone it and put it up for sale. And somebody sent me the link, and it you know it, it looks just like the SIO, but then there was a little disclaimer: if you want firmware, you need to contact the manufacturer. So they eventually, uh, in, in fact, pretty quickly, took the clone of it down because they were selling something that didn't work. You know, The, the protection works for that, but it screws over their customers as well. So I had this second SIO, um, and I asked permission just to use his name. I'm not outing my friend here. But, uh, and Voltar asked if I could give it to him, so I just gave it to him for cost. Um, and I immediately emailed them and said, Hey, can you transfer this over? I double-checked, it was the the morning of February 13th. I didn't hear back from them for eight days. I guess nine, but they're in Australia, so let's just give them a day. Eight days later, I heard back, you'll need to give him your email address that you used to buy the SIO and the order ID for the cartridge that you gave him. Well, luckily I use Gmail and I archive everything, because how on earth would I have ever found the order ID for something that I had purchased two years ago that I didn't even receive for, for 15 months after purchase. So that, that alone is freaky. I mean, it's, you know, or what if I had changed email addresses or what if I'd accidentally purchased it with a work email address and didn't work at that job anymore? That happened to me with Skype. Um, that happened to a few people I know with Skype and they get permanently locked out of their accounts. So that's, you know, that's a plausible thing. It's not likely, but it's totally ha- has and does happen. Um, So here's where it gets extra annoying, and here's why I don't feel bad ranting to people about this, is then Zach emailed, or forwarded them my email that had my personal email address, had my order number, had the, it was pretty much, it was the conversation between myself and Sibden, and they responded, sorry, but unfortunately we can't change the email address since it's locked to that account. So I don't, I don't understand. We did everything they said, and Zach still can't get support for it. He can't get the downloads. So I just... I'm going to be doing a video soon with FPGA developers that explain, in both layman's terms and detail, why people implement security this way. You know, sometimes it is the most cost-effective way to get a product out. Sometimes it's a product that really wouldn't need very many firmware updates, so it's not that big of a deal. Something like this obviously would. So I really i am looking forward to doing that video and not not to shit on developers that use this security method, but to do the opposite, to educate people, to bring it to light, to understand why sometimes this might be the best way overall, to also understand why some ways this is a very bad way of locking your stuff down. But, um, you know, I, I think they've watched a few of these. So, Matt, I'm asking you publicly, you know, can you please work on your customer support? can Can you ask the community for help? I'm sure a lot of your fans would be willing to help. Maybe there's a forum that you could use. Um, could you do something like maybe at the very least just do this based on user account? So I'd, I'll just create Bob123 the next time I buy a SIO, and if I sell that, I'll just give that Bob123 account to the person I give it to or sell it. Because, you know, don't forget, people trade stuff all the time, whether it's for permanent or whether it's, you know, short-term. I think Zach still has three of my consoles at his house that weren't even kickbacks. They were just stuff we need to work on for each other. I think I have something of his sitting here. The 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 thought of somebody... Buying something and being the only person that uses it forever and only person that would ever need to update or add to it, that's a little ridiculous, especially when it comes to something that you have to constantly add games to, constantly having updates. So I was really disappointed with my entire experience with this company, start to finish. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry to go on like a rant and a tirade, and, and I guess uh, I'm sure somebody in the comments are going to tell me that I'm attacking them, but. I don't. I'm only just telling my experience, in hopes that maybe uh, Sibdin Systems will finally start looking at it from other people's perspective, because it's obvious that they haven't. If I got to wait eight days to give my friend something, and still have him come back with "We can't change the address because it's locked to that account," like I don't. I- I'm sorry, Matt. That's you. You. You know. You're doing it wrong. So hopefully we could uh, work together to to figure something out, and hopefully other people will take notice of this and not run their updates in this way i do i do understand locking updates to a device but there's got to be a better way to do it order id email address eight days of support to do it Uh, you know and then still not getting it done uh you know i'm sure i'm gonna get flamed in the comments but i'll take it because this is a real experience that actually happened uh and with his permission voltar said i could say his name on this um and go ahead and you know go ahead and try to tell zach that uh, he was wrong in this one He wasn't, and uh, he'll be the first person to stand up for for both of us in this scenario. So uh, I don't really know what else to say, but I'm I'm happy that I'm just going to burn myself a CD to play my backup games and not have to deal with this anymore. The OBS Project has now signed up for both Patreon and Open Collective accounts, so anybody that wants can support them through those platforms. Um, This was important to me to mention here, both because I know a lot of streamers that use it, and I am quite literally recording this through OBS right now. Um, I've watched this project evolve uh, over a couple of years now. Um, I'll be honest, I hated it when I first tried using it. It was so weird and convoluted and in a very very short time it became an a pretty easy and intuitive thing still has some quirks but that's why one of the many reasons why i decided to support them on patreon both because it's a project that i really like and i uh, i enjoy using and it makes my job easier and because you know uh, hopefully if enough people contribute they could work through some of the the little quirks and make it even better than it already is so, um, you know, this is a reminder that you should always support people whose work you enjoy, uh, platforms like Patreon allow you to do that for a dollar a month, which, you know, it's something that makes way more of a difference in the long run. There's been plenty of projects over the years that I loved that I, you know, that like a uh, Goldwave, I just, uh, I've been talking about that lately. I, you know, I, I bought that software again and, uh, you know, I've been using it since the nineties and mostly just used the freeware version. So while that you know that forty bucks or whatever I'm sure was nice, and I'm sure they appreciated it, I totally would have been giving them a dollar a month this whole time just because i i mean i I've, I've used Gold wave on the regular for since the nineties so uh yeah, I will be doing the same for o b s now and anytime that you really like and rely on something, I really recommend you do the same if you have the ability to so um you know, definitely uh, check out both of those. I didn't even know what the Open Collective was until this, uh, so I still need to learn a little bit more about it, but I did the lazy thing and just hit them up on Patreon because I already have an account. <laughs> MrAddons.com just posted a comparison of the most popular fans that are used in the Mr. Project, um, fans ranging from $2 to that very expensive Noctua fan. Um, and, uh, you know, he took into account things like ambient temperature and all that stuff. And it it was funny to see that one of the $2 fans ended up um, performing really well compared to the expensive Noctua fan. Um, and I guess the one of the conclusions was that any kind of dampening is going to help over no dampening at all for noise. So it was pretty neat to see both cooling versus uh, the noise part of it. Um, you know, it was one sample of each fan, which it, I completely understand. You know, it's one person doing a review. You can't order 10 of each and then take the time to do that. Uh, but it's a great start. So uh, stuff like this, especially when posted with the transparency that this article was posted on, you know, here's one of each, here's my testing results, recreate it this way. I think it's really cool and I think people could use that to try to nail down what would be overall the best fan I like the Noctua fan. I don't have any complaints. I just wish... My only complaint, actually, is one of those small fans comes in a ton of packaging. It is just a waste. It is completely just a waste of plastic, a waste of cardboard. It annoyed me how how big the packaging was. Uh, but other than that, I have no complaints other than the price in the packaging. I wish it was cheaper, but um, I, I like mine, so... Uh, if you're interested uh, give it a give it a read and also if you have a different fan if you have different experience with these fans, um, maybe jump on one of the Mr Discords and talk about it because it would be nice to find a, a cheap fan that's consistently performing well and even if it's a little bit louder or doesn't cool quite as well as the Noctua uh, it'd be nice to buy a five dollar fan instead of a 1520 dollar fan every time. A famous ps vita hacker has just cracked the final bits of security that sony had in place Um, he extracted the physically stored hardware key slots from the vita itself so no firmware updates would ever be able to undo this now it's considered fully hacked Um, so that's kind of neat now you could uh, open up the device do whatever you want with it Uh, and he also said now he's on to working on the switch so that's pretty neat. Um, anybody that wants a full layman's explanation of what, uh, what was done could jump over to Vololo, um, And anybody with a Vita, I mean, uh, you know, now's the time to open it up and see what you could do with it. Vitor Valela, the SNES developer who added SA1 support to the SD to SNES, has just started SNES Lab, a SNES ROM hacking community. The Discord channel is currently open and live, and the website will be launched soon with forums and all the other normal website features. So, uh, it's pretty cool to see things like this. I think even though there's been forums for a million years now, and BBS before that, all that stuff, um, I really hope that we can try to bring everybody in and work together when possible, because there's just so many awesome people out there who are willing to help, but... You know, one place might not feel right. One place might not have the right forum. Whatever it is, so it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. Um, Vitor has been involved in a bunch of really great projects, and I hope to see any of this work end up um, a lot. Uh, I guess on the Mister project as well as the new SD to SNES Pro. So it's not just ROM hacking. It's uh, I'm sure this is going to extend to all the stuff that Vitor is involved in. Uh, so if you have the skills or want to learn, definitely check it out. The Virtual Boy game Innsmouth Mansion just got an English translation from developer Thunderstruck. And this is one of the few Virtual Boy games I've never tried. It looks like a first-person shooter. Uh, maybe I never tried it because it was only in Japanese. But it looks like one of those Virtual Boy games that's definitely worth trying. Uh, whether it's awesome or not was remains to be seen, but I'm looking forward to trying it out now. And thanks to Thunderstruck for doing the translation. The team behind RetroArch has just released Ludo, which is a minimalist emulator front-end. Uh, so it's really designed for TV-only experience and not keyboard-mouse experience. So I guess things like the Raspberry Pi or any kind of device that you're only going to have controllers hooked up to. Um, and it's pretty neat to see it in action because it's just you know exactly as expected, a minimalist approach to this. And I think that the one thing I've learned over the years, and I can't even begin to describe the thousands of hours I've spent tweaking emulators and trying to, to mess with front ends. I mean, I've been doing it since I was a kid, and just trying to get a very easy turn on the device and use it type of front end is has always been really hard. Uh, and luckily with things like this, it's making it easier. So... Um, I haven't spent really any time with it other than flipping through and seeing its features, but I'm looking forward to putting this on a Raspberry Pi and seeing how it acts, because any way to just access the games and get basic features, just basic controller mapping, change controls for individual games as well as global controls, Um, I mean, heck, even just exiting the game properly without worrying about having to reprogram buttons. There's lots of things that you would think have already been completely solved that sometimes I run into a scenario where it's not. So, looking forward to trying it out, and uh, thanks to the team for always putting out cool new releases and stuff. Dance just released a brand new RGB amp for PC engines that clips to the side of the DIN connector itself. Which I think is a pretty cool method of mounting it that I 've never really considered before, um, so i don 't think anybody's done any RGB testing on it, um, and I think the only pictures up there are the ones from Dujin dance 's own video but it's it's really cool to see somebody improve so drastically because you know there was that famous video that Voltar put out that that not only did it showcase what he did wrong but it took the time to explain why. How you could do it different, and while Voltar got a lot of slack for that, that video made way more uh, positive difference than negative difference. And if this isn't a perfect example of that, I can't say what else is. So uh, it's cool to see Dujan dance completely doing way better mods and doing work that um, that he should be proud to show off, not uh, not have to worry about defending. So, very cool that, that, that there is that much of an improvement and a new method of doing stuff. Um, maybe it's not the best, but hey, it looks new and innovative and different and certainly is worth trying. So, uh, excellent job. I still have his 3DO amp that I haven't even tried yet. It's been, a, you know, trying to find time to do extra stuff. But, uh, you know, cool, cool new design and I'm interested to see how it actually performs. Dan, aka Citrus3000PSI, has just opened up round four of pre-orders for the DC HDMI. Um, I did the very detailed video on this, I absolutely love this mod, Um, I really genuinely think if you're gaming on a flat screen or if you're doing any kind of streaming or capture, this is the way to play Dreamcast for at least the foreseeable future. Um, And I think he and Kristoff really set the bar high. Because uh, I don't know, you know, whatever comes next is going to have to compete with this features. Things like the Wi-Fi firmware updates and um, I I don't know. This is just about as good as you could ask for in a retro gaming mod. So uh, I'm glad to see that he's really pushing hard to get these things made. And I hope that everybody who wants one is able to eventually get theirs. Don't buy from eBay scalpers. Please don't encourage those people. (laughs) But uh, Dan's been working hard to get these out as quickly as he can. Um, and uh, having spent some time with it, honestly, it really it lives up to the hype. If you're a big Dreamcast fan and you need digital support, this is really the only way to go for now. Uh, if you're only gaming on analog monitors or if you already have a very extensive setup and know how to tweak it, maybe it's not for you, but probably for most people. <laughs> Brian Hargrove is now working on getting a new line of Neo Geo save cards out for sale. He posted a few recently, and they sold out immediately, so I guess there's a lot more of a demand for these things than he would have guessed. Uh, And I actually think a lot of the press around Neo Geo lately, the, the Mr. Platform and everything else, I think that publicity around it is really bringing people back to the original hardware as well as these new ways to play, which seems counterproductive, but it always seems to be the way it is with retro stuff. I love playing it on this new way, but it also reminds me that I want to still play it on this old way. Um, And devices like this memory card are the perfect way to accomplish that because there's no battery. uh, It's all flash memory so that you can carry a lot more games and not have to worry about losing them. Uh, and also Smoke Monster had a great uh, couple of tips that he put in this article. Um, if you're using one of those you know 161 and one multicarts, you might need to power off the system to change games because there's a bug inside of multicarts that disables the menu when it detects any memory card. So, T just wanted to point out that this is not a bug with the Neo Save Master, it'll happen on any system with any memory card. Which is a good tip, because many of us don't have or never tried the original memory cards. So, you know, me as a nerd who always uses beta products, I would assume that if I had that, that it was a problem with it, I wouldn't have known that it's always a problem. Actually, to be honest, I hate those multi-cards, so I probably would have assumed it was the multi-card's fault first, but whatever. (laughs) Point being, um, it's a neat device, and it allows you to take your saves between Neo Geo consoles, uh, not only AES, but even MVS stand-ups that have the slot cut into them for it. So uh, it's pretty cool, and when Brian puts them back up for sale, I'll definitely let everybody know. There's a new 2D shooter available both on Steam and on the Switch called Devil Engine, um, and Smoke Monster happened to see it on My Life and Gaming's uh, recent stream and tried it out himself and really likes it. So it, uh, Smoke's a big fan of these shooter-type games, so if he gives it a thumbs-up, I would consider it definitely worth a try. Uh, so if you're interested in a cool shooter on Switch, uh, maybe look it up and see if it's for you. Well, before I go, I have to mention that this is normally where I would do the monthly giveaway um, announcement. It's the last Wednesday in February, so I have a product here that, uh, while it's probably not the best thing I've ever given away, it's pretty cool, and I think whoever would have gotten it would have appreciated it, but I just received a notice saying that I have approved for YouTube's service, uh, so now you can support me on whatever platform's easiest for you, YouTube, Patreon, Subscribestar, Bitbacker, whatever, but they've made it very clear that they don't want to do giveaways of any kind. Now, once again, Patreon said the same thing, but when I explained the situation, and it was very obvious that this wasn't a gambling channel, that people are supporting me for the work that I do, and oh, by the way, there's a giveaway, Patreon emailed and said that was totally okay. Um, So I'm hoping that that's the case with YouTube. I'm hoping if I just double-check, you know, and send a few emails or something people could see that the giveaways are just a thank you for everybody's support that keeps the podcast, the website, you know, all the behind the scenes research, all the stuff that really matters, uh, you guys are the ones that keep this going. So I really loved doing the giveaways and even though it was a small thing, I loved trying to give back, but if I'm going to get kicked off of support services for doing it, I can't, you know, that is the line I'd have to draw so i gotta I have to make sure that I could do this without getting kicked off or demonetized or any of that stuff, and I will try to find a way if nothing else um, I'll try to do live you know giveaways and events and stuff like that i'll start showing up at more events, but uh even then it stinks because I've been lucky enough to make friends with people all over the world, and I wouldn't want just whoever gets to show up locally to be involved in fun giveaways and drawings so bit of a depressing note to end this on because I really loved doing those spin wheel giveaways but I can't let myself get kicked off when uh, it's just finally starting to grow so I uh, hope to have better news for you next week in fact I hope to have a giveaway to announce for everybody but if I don't I'll find some other way to do this that's legit through the right channels uh, and figure out some way to get this done but anyway thank you all so much for your support Uh, you know, even though there may or may not be a giveaway coming up, I really hope that people understand that uh, you you really are making a difference in other projects that may not have been gotten done or being pushed through by uh, myself and my friends that are working on all of these things that want to keep getting more cool stuff out to people, both because we love it and just because it's also fun for me too. So thank you very much for all your support. Um, You know, comment if you have any thoughts on any of that stuff. I do read them all. Uh, Comment respectfully don't post. Why not use an emulator down below in a weekly podcast? Uh, and I'll try to respond to almost everyone that I can. Um, thank you very much, and I will see you next week.